Hello and welcome everyone to another episode of Podcasty with Ryan. I'm the right Ryan and my guest tonight is Dixie Lee. We will be talking about addiction. We'll be talking about recovery and we'll be talking about maintaining your sobriety. I'm really looking forward to this. This is something that um, a lot of people will relate to. And I think the conversation is one that should be had by a lot of people and a lot of open ears. Uh, the podcast, I do have other episodes up. We are available on all streaming platforms, Google, Apple, Spotify, iHeartRadio, whatever the case might be. We are there for you to listen to all the episodes. And as we start episode eight, I want to thank everybody for listening. The podcast has done very well, and I'm glad that I've been able to have guests who hit all points of interest, you know, from ghost hunting to addiction to uh, Methodist ministers to um, a chef. So anyway, tonight, though, is focused on Dixie, and Dixie is going to tell us her story I just ask questions here or there, but this is about Dixie and her telling her story because I know it will relate to a lot of people. So first things first, Dixie, welcome. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me, Ryan. I appreciate it. You are so welcome. And the first thing I wanted to ask you um, is, you know, kind of the beginnings. Where did you grow up? Well... I grew up in a small town in Florida, little little country town, nothing to do. I mean, most of the kids in our area, I mean, we we played, you know, on the streets and stuff. But as I got older, there was really nothing to do for, for teenagers or young adults to do in our town. Gotcha. So, yeah. So, um, did you, um, if you look back at your childhood... Um, and you know, this isn't therapy or anything, but if you look back, <laughs> if you look back, um, does your inner child say this was a great time or you think, eh, I don't, this is, no. this wasn't so great and I don't want my kids to do this. No, my childhood, I felt like I had to grow up fast. You know, growing up as a kid, you know, I was only child, um, I, my dad was very strict. Uh, my mom was like my best friend. She was like my protector. My dad, he was a, a perfectionist and he wanted it his way and he was very strict. Um, I wasn't allowed to have friends over. You know, I couldn't play. I was, you know, isolated pretty much as a child. Um, and I, the way he would handle things like in, uh, like if I got in trouble or anything like that, he, I felt like he did a little bit overboard. So like, I've always had that issue with like daddy issues pretty much since then. I so I, I always, always tell myself, I don't ever want to be like my father because my father just, it was not a, a good childhood grow, growing up. So being isolated at that age, what did you do to, well, my parents, we, we lived on an, an acre of land and we, we had a couple cows. Those were my friends. 
that's what I I would go out in the yard. I mean, or I would have to do chores, you know, cut down trees with my dad, rake, uh, pick up cigarette butts in the yard. And if I and then on the days where it was just the weekends, I played with the animals, or I was on the bicycle having to go ride and play by myself. So it was hard. It was hard as a kid. Yeah. Well, loneliness is a powerful thing. It is. You know. Okay, so did either did you grow up around addiction? My dad, he's he was a truck driver, and he used to do meth meth to keep awake. I watched my dad in addiction. I watch I've actually caught him using when I was a kid. I caught plates of stuff, you know, places where kids shouldn't find it. Um you know, so I pretty much had that in my face. But, you know, growing up I I used to always tell myself I never want to be like my dad. I never want to go down that road. But unfortunately it didn't happen that way for me. Yeah. I'm I'm a lot like my dad. He has an addictive personality and so do I. Right. Um I love how brutally honest you are. Yeah, I think that's the best way to be is just honest. Right. Just let everyone know the real truth of everything. So then they'll get to know me, they'll get to know my backstory and you know, they can relate better. Absolutely. So, how old were you when you first noticed like something at your house or something sitting around? How old were you? I was in elementary school. Oh my god. Um, I don't know what grade I was in at that time, but my mom's friend that she worked with, her daughter came over and I remember as a child us playing in around in the house and I went over to the little side area, like little uh not nightstand, but the little side table in your, your, your living room. And we opened the front, the front drawer and there was a plate and there was stuff in it. And I remember as a child, us taking our finger and trying it on our tongue. And thank God it just numbed it. But you know, that's, that's scary, you know, and I don't, I don't blame, like, I'm not like blame mom or anything like that because she had no idea it was there, you know, and I didn't either, you know, so it, and I even found like my dad would take pins and he would take them apart. He would leave the, the, you know, to snort with, he would leave them in the drawers. And I even found empty baggies and stuff. So, and there was times where my dad would act out. Um, there was a time where, um, he was cheating on my mom at the time. Um, and he was so like crazy on that stuff that he actually pulled a on my mom. A, a pew pew on my mom yeah. and me in the in the middle of the 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 front yard and thank God the woman had stopped him and yeah you know there was nothing else of that he just left so so 10 11 12 13 14 you were under the mindset I am not doing this yes I had this I just had this I devoted myself that I would never touch meth. I would, I would stay off of, you know, no drugs at all. I was in the dare program as a kid. You know, I just was really against it, you know, and unfortunately, you know, I, at that time I was more of a follower than a leader. 
So I I followed in some some wrong footsteps, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> so when um, what was your turning point? What what happened? What happened to bringing to using? Bringing myself into using? Because yeah. some there had to be something happened for to go from the dare program to that well the way it looked to me the way it started the first time i ever got into hard drugs i i was working at a hardware store and of course it, there was a guy that i liked and i would go an hour out to always visit with that that guy and of course the guy was into crack at the time and in my eyes, I thought, you know, if I get into it with him, he'll like me more. And I'm a big girl, so I have a very, I'm very insecure. Um, and I feel like I, I will always try to show, like, the person I want to be with that I will do anything. And at that time, that's what got me into it. And it's not no one's fault but my own. I made that decision because I thought it was going to help the situation when it didn't. It didn't at all. Well, and that reminds me back to what you said about the dad, the dad, father issues. Yeah. I'm sure you weren't thinking at the time when you're in the no. diet, but I think what it is, I was looking for something like connected, like my dad. I think it like, that's why I think I have daddy issues because it is a connection there. I do see that. Absolutely. So, was that a one and done or did you really start to? Well, that was for a few months. That was for a few months. Um, I was getting really hot and heavy into it. At the, the reason I got out of that situation, um, I had a couple of friends that were really, really close with me and they seen the changes in me. And one night they actually sat me down and told me like you are doing wrong like we are seeing you deteriorate you've got to stay away from this person so they actually drove out to the guy's house they helped me get all my stuff and they helped me get out of that situation and after I went back home I never went back and I don't know I guess because I finally just saw everything but there was a moment let me back up there was a moment that actually showed me that when I went out there one night to the place that I used to go use with that per the person I was, you know, trying to be in a relationship with. Um, when I went out there, the dad was, there was a, the guy that owned the house and the, and the wife, the guy was locked in his room. He was asleep with the music blaring and the mother was gone. Apparently she went out to go try to get some more and left her two ch young children in the house. So when I got there, they were on the porch screaming. It was Halloween they wanted to get there. They wanted to put their costume on. They wanted to go trick or treating. And it was just me. And they're sitting here screaming and yelling for me. So I'm trying to, to find my way to get to the, to knock on the door, to open the door, to try to get the dad's attention. He wouldn't come to the door. He was out. So I decided to get them dressed and I took them trick or treating. And when I came back, that was my like wake up call with that. Like I'm just done. And that's when my friends helped me get my stuff. And then we went back. And then that was the end of that. And then, you know, I had my little, you know, deal-ins where, you know, I would hang out with some friends and we would do some cocaine or something, you know. And it didn't really get into a, like, 
spiral addiction with those type type of drugs. Those were more like partying, like hanging out type things. What really, really started it was in 2009. This is when I first met the father of my children. I I knew him when I was younger. His mom used to take care of me. Um, and back then I knew there was something off with him because he used to always try to play doctor with me. I thought that was weird, you know, for, for us being young. So I, I used to run away and hide from him. Well, then, um, he came back in my life when MySpace was around and he reached out to me and we connected and he was like, he seemed different. Like he was just, maybe we were just young. Maybe he didn't understand. So I fell in love and I thought he was sober. There was no talk of anything. I never seen him do drugs when he'd come over, you know, anything. Well, once I got with him being a month or two in, that's when, hey, you ever tried this? And of course, here goes the, yeah, I, I'll try it with you because I feel that it's going to have like a connection. Like if I do something that he loves, oh, then he's going to love me more. I know that's a messed up way to think, but that was my mentality, you know. And you were a diehard too. I mean, to, to some people do that about, um, you know, I, I'm not really a cat person, but you know, you want you have a cat, so I'll, I'll accept it. But I mean, you, it, you know, <laughs> I've got you, six of them. <laughs> yeah, it's like, I mean, you were willing. Drugs were right on the table for that. Yeah, they were. And when um, I was introduced to it, I tried it and I fell in love. Um, I fell in love uh, with the nod. I fell in love how close it was. I felt it was getting us close together when in reality it really wasn't. But I thought that was something that we had together. Um, and I got to the, it was getting to the point where we were, we were starting to need it every day. And then we were, you know, I was, we didn't have jobs. So we were trying to find ways to get money. He would go and beg his grandma for money. We would go and scrap things. We would go take things. Um, and then I eventually found a job at a, at a butcher, a butcher, uh, warehouse. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would work my butt off just to take a paycheck and go pay for pills. And he would lay on his butt and he wouldn't work. So, you know, that went on for a very long time. Um, we have, we were living in a little small camper on his dad's property. They got tired of us being out there because they started noticing things missing, started seeing the signs of things, you know, and the grand, grandma was upset with us because he was always asking for money and I was getting blamed for it. So then we eventually moved out to my mom's. Um, and then it just started spiraling to the point where we couldn't get high from the snorting of the pills. So then it eventually graduated into in, in IV. In, in injecting um, and it even it, it even graduated into a stronger pill it went from you know Roxy's where we would snort them from Dilaudid's where you know you had to inject um, and once we hit that part of the addiction part it went 10 times worse it was and we we got addicted to the shooting as well it's not just that part. There's an addiction to trying to find that, you know, to, to use. Um, and we were still doing the same thing where we were taking things. I was taking money from my mom. I was stealing out of her purse. I was stealing out of her, her savings thing, uh, the bank vault thing. You know, I wasn't a good person. 
you know, I, I did some horrible shit to my mother, um, to, to people that didn't deserve it. And, um, my ex, my, the baby, the father of my children, he started spiraling as well. And we started fighting really bad. And then he, then we eventually split. He started messing up really bad on his own. And then he lost anywhere to stay. He couldn't come stay with me. He couldn't go stay with anybody. So he started staying in a shelter. Well, while he was at the shelter, he had met some friends down on the same road as the shelter. And there was an older couple that he started becoming friends with. Well, they had a lot, they had some jewelry that was like worth a lot with gold. So he got, he decided to take it and decided to go pawn it. Well, when he went to go pawn it, the, it, it was already in the system that it was stolen. So he got in trouble and had to go to court or he went to jail. He had to go to court and I think he had to do like nine or 10 months in jail. So at that time, that's when I had to, I was still spiraling, but I was tired and I needed help. My mom, it was driving her insane. She was going crazy. I was making her go insane. Um, so she started looking into doctors to try to help me. And she started calling the Suboxone programs. The thing is, is when you're not ready, you can put me in a program all day long, but I'm going to take advantage of it. So at that time, yes, I wanted it, but I didn't want it that bad. So she would put me in these programs and she was spending her own money to try to, to, to keep it going. And I was going into them and I was getting, uh, issues where my drug tests were coming back, not clean. I was having issues where I wasn't doing my, my, um, yeah, you have to be ready. Um, I was, um, I was just messing up with it, with the whole program. And, uh, finally it just, it took so many times of just relapsing and going through that to finally just, say when I finally got into another Subox program, I finally decided to do the right thing. Thank you for sharing that. You're uh, welcome. I know I was a lot there. No, no, no. That's <laughs> this, this is resonating with so many people now and later on. Um, you know, back to your friends who sat you down back when and said, you know, this is a terrible situation. We want you to get out of this. We want to help you. Did they... Um, did, did what they did for you come to your mind and think, gosh, I'm doing this again. Maybe I should leave. Or were you like, just at first, honestly, I, I was listening to them, but because I wanted the connection with that guy, I didn't want to listen. But at that time they kind of put their foot down and I allowed them. And then finally I just kind of allowed it. I think what really, really, like I said, got me was when the kids came around and the kids were on that porch and they were crying and their parents were off and just left them alone. That's what really like opened my eyes to that situation. My friends at that moment. Yeah, they, they did. They had to put their, like they had to put their foot up my butt really to, to get me to get away from that. Yeah. So, um, was dad still in the picture at this point? No. Okay. Yeah, dad was out the picture um, while I was in high school. Okay. Like, it was like my last year of high school. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, so, you 
talking about how the, you know addiction not only affects the person it also affects the family yes you talked about your mom and how you know she was um consumed by this financially emotionally um how is she doing she's doing a lot better there is times where you know if we get in an argument she will bring up the past it bothers me but i have to understand that i have to allow that because i did a lot of damage and you have to give you have to give your family members time right you know and you got to give them you know if they do come at you with some past you know you got to let it roll off and just understand that you were the reason why this is all going on you have you know Right. But we have a better relationship. Um, I mean, I was, I was, I used to talk so bad to her, you know, stealing from her. I mean, I would pretty much drive her insane if I, if she would not help me with the funds to get anything. And then she tried to do the tough love thing where she would say, well, I'll fill your gas tank up or I'll go get the groceries for you or I'll go pick this up for you. And it was like she was trying to cut off me getting anything like the card or the money. And I'm like, damn it. So then it was making it rough on me. But that was a good thing. She did that, you know, because, you know, for so long she was enabling and, you know, it wasn't her fault. She just it hurt her to see her daughter like that. And she thought that she was doing the right thing at the time, but now she knows that it wasn't. So if you look back at when you started this and right before when you started this, for people who are listening, who maybe are parents dealing with children with addiction or they're in addiction or friends are in addiction, what was the biggest red flag that you thought, ah, I should have right there? I know there's a lot of red flags, but the one where you were like, oh, my God. Probably the moment with my baby daddy. I should have I should have seen I should have ran. When I when I seen him use him for the first time, I should have ran. There you go. Because once I got involved with it, it was just it was awful. It was horrible. It was the worst seven years. I mean, not during the whole seven years we were in, in addiction, but majority of it and it, and then having a child, you know, in the mix of it, just having our newborn, it, it was just, it was rough for me being a new mother, you know, and then also dealing with him and myself. And then the whole using drugs and taking care of a, of a new a new soul a new child how did that did that help play into your i gotta get help or does it still and i don't mean this to sound bad it does it still have no. to be, i i have to want to do it i can think about my kids all day long but i have to be the one to want to do it my kids in my head i didn't want to be this way with my kids see when my my son when i was pregnant with my son I was, I was still doing Roxy's at the time. I wasn't injecting this time. And about a few months before he was born, I quit. And he was, he was healthy. Good. Baby boy. Nothing wrong. No, no, nothing in his system. Nothing in my system. He, he went home after three days. Everything was good. 
Now, did you think but, about their stop? Just one. Did you think about their since you didn't do it for a few months that this could be it, or were you like this is just a pause? I think it honestly it was a pause. Even though you know deep down I wanted to stop, but I I felt like it was more of a pause because when when things when when he was born and I was taking care of him, there was still that urge. And then it just it, it gradually came back on, but it came on stronger because now at this time I was introduced to injecting. Right, kind of like a dry drunk. They say that you're not drinking, but you're exactly about it. Yeah, exactly. So, so having a child, um, back to what we were saying because I interrupted you there. But having no, a, having a child and being in addiction. How did how do you handle how did you handle that? It was hard. It was hard. Um, I was with my child. I never left my child with anybody. The only time I would ever leave my child with my mother, what if if I'd have to go run and go get something, or I'd go run and have to go try to try to get money or whatever. But he stayed home with my mom and in in our home. Um, I was not mentally there. I could be physically there, but I was not mentally there for my child. Um, so it was very rough. You know, I would, you know, I would try to take care of him on top of being sick and then worrying about taking care of my sickness by trying to go run and do that and then take care of him. And I was snapping, you know, I would get mad if, you know, if my son was in the way of what I was trying to do. It was very rough. It was very rough. Yeah, you were, you had to be exhausted. Yeah. I was, and, and even when I went on the Suboxone program, um, when you, I was... Can you explain to us what that is? Because some of the listeners won't know what that is. Sure. So, it's a, a medicated assisted treatment program. Um, it's a type of medication that helps for people that have, have opioid dependency. Okay. So uh, basically to stop you from maybe withdrawal and seizures and those types of things? Yes, okay. absolutely. It helps you. It helps you live day to day normally, and it's a long term um, treatment program. Um, you they they you go into the doctor's office. They speak to you. Um, they ask for you know from when the time you started drugs from the time you are till now. Um, they they figure out how much dosage you should be on, um, and then they want you to go to NA meetings uh, so many times a month. Um, you do urine screens once a month. Um, and it just, it just regulates you. It helps you just to just keep straight forward and doing the right thing. And it's helped me tremendously. Were there ever times where you've, cause I've heard some people who say, well, you know, I'm an adult. I can handle this myself. This is so insulting that I have to pee in a cup and I have to, you know, it's like, did you ever have moments of pride? I did when I was using because I knew I was messing up, but now that I do, I'm doing good. I know I'm sober. I go in pridefully and pee and go, there you go. <laughs> Cause I know, I know I'm good, you know? So it's right. like, it's a, it's a good feeling to know when you're finally at that point where you, you don't need nothing to feel good anymore. I mean, yeah, I know I had to get a doctor's help, but I'd rather have that help to where I can eventually wean down and eventually be off of it than be going out or then going out there and using again. Right. Um, 
So how long have you been off of drugs completely? I have. I got sober January 4th of 2020, the day after my mom's birthday. I actually got high on her birthday. And I felt so horrible about myself, about doing that, like disrespecting my mother. And I decided I was done. I was tired. So January 4th, 2020 was my sober date. And um, next year, I will be four years sober. So your rock bottom was your mom's birthday? I mean, I know it's an accumulation, but... That and what I what I endured with my last ex, the physical abuse, the mental abuse... This was not the father. No, no, this is this is this is another guy. This is where methamphetamine came into play was with with the ex. Um, You know, I met him. I I met him through. Oh, I knew him before, but I I started talking to him when me and my baby or the father of my children were having issues um, and he was cheating on me. So I started talking with him. Um, We eventually got together and. we were sober when we got together. He was, he was, he just got out of prison. Um, he did four years. And when he got out, he got a job. Um, we were doing good. And then all of a sudden, one day he loses his job and he comes home. And one day he gets bored. And he said, Hey, you ever tried meth and had, you know, love time? <laughs> and I'm like, Okay, no. And of course, here comes that mentality of, I think, I wonder if he'll love me more. Or maybe if I just show, you know, I don't know. I know it sounds horrible, but it's the truth. That's how my mentality was or is. This was your third. That's what have been your third rodeo with this. What, the, and, what do you mean? Yeah. Yeah. With, with drugs. Yes. And, and, and here's the, the part where you th- you know, now you think logically, like I've tried this twice before with someone and it ended in pure hell. I'm hard headed. You know, but part of you thought, well, this time it's so common. Yes, it is. Right. And, you know, the, the not only drugs, but you said physical abuse. That's just throwing. That was. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, that's just adding. I mean. Well, the hard, thing is, the, the the physical abuse came in when we were high. That's when it would come into play because with meth, it alters the way you think, the things you see, and the way you react to them. And he would always think I was cheating. He always thought there was men under the house, in the woods, watching us, trying to do just just to go after me or go after him. So that's where the physical abuse came in. Um, I got a lot of mental abuse. You know, I got called fat, you know, cross-eyed, just you can name it. And it even was the, the, the mental abuse or the verbal abuse even was going on even without the meth on that. So, so when he lost his job and we got, he, he decided to introduce it to me and I tried it, which I wish I wouldn't have. I know that was, I know that was a horrible reason to use, but I did. Um, and we were doing it once a week. Then it went from every other weekend. Then it went from every weekend to every day. And 
it just it, it went on for like God a couple years of just using and and being completely out of my mind um so have you you know getting yourself right do you still feel like you're in a, do you still feel like you're in a position where you need to get yourself right before you entertain the idea of any relationship or do you feel that you're just petrified of relationships or is there a, a healthy way that you've discussed with others about trying to maybe get into a relationship theoretically how do you handle that because you're you know you're still a young you're still a young beautiful woman so thank you yeah. um <laughs> so <laughs> i've thought about relationships but right now i'm finally loving i'm starting to love myself i'm starting to find myself and I think right now it can wait. I am afraid. I'm afraid of the unknown because I'm afraid I'm going to go through the same things I've been through because it's always been a pattern. I understand. So it, it bothers me. So I'm kind of like, if it happens, it happens. But if it does, I will be cautious. But if it doesn't, I will be okay. Right. You know what I mean? Great perspective. Absolutely. I, I, I understand you're kind of like in the mentality if it's if it's not broken don't fix it right exactly um, so you know uh, children of addicts have you has it been work to heal wounds with them I know they're younger and I know they're not emotionally mature as your mother but right for those who out there who are listening, who are trying to mend those bridges or rebuild that trust and love, what is your advice for them? Like say with like the relationship with my mom? No, with, with, with children. Dealing with, with children? children. Yeah. How do you, because <laughs> there was damage there, I'm sure, no matter how young or old. What would be your advice to help parents mend that relationship? I say when they get to a certain age, be honest with them. Be honest and truthful and, and, and tell them, you know, what you've been through, you know, and try to teach them the right, like to, to be aware of those types of, you know, signs or issues that you've been through. Um, like for instance, my youngest, he's six years old. He remembers things from that time. And I've had to sit him down and just be very honest. And let him know that that's not who I am. Mommy made some mistakes, but mommy is correcting them. You know, I, I never, not once did not love you guys. You know, I was here, but I was not, I wasn't mentally, or I wasn't mentally here. And I wish I could take that back, but you know, unfortunately I can't, but we can move forward with this, you know, and I've had to do it with my oldest because they, because you'd be surprised. They remember a lot of things. Kids are smarter than we think. Yes, they are. They can remember. They tell me things that I'm like, oh, my God. Like, it may, it's embarrassing, you know? So. <laughs> so, just so when it's age appropriate, just be honest. I think so. Be a, be honest. I think that's the best way. Like, even when I went to, I, I did some time in jail for, you know, because I said I, I stole and, you know, I, I 
did, you know, I, I went to jail for burglary of a structure, burglary of a conveyance, dealing in stolen property, um, where I was pawning stolen stuff for money. And, uh, I just blanked out. (laughs) (laughs) No, I was saying, um, I was saying, um, when it's age appropriate, just be brutally honest with them. And you were saying, um, you know, they mentioned things that embarrass you. And, um, after that, I've, I spaced too. Uh, <laughs> I'll it think is, of it when we come back to it. I'm sorry, Ryan. Oh, you're fine. <laughs> um, with, uh, with your oldest, um, yeah. He probably. What's the age difference between him and your other, your six year old? So my youngest is six, and my oldest is eleven. Okay, so that's yeah. It's about a five year difference. So was it was it a little bit harder with him because he can remember more than obviously than the six year old? Well, it's it's kind of funny because they both remember like a lot, like pretty much equally. <laughs> My oldest, I mean, he, I think he remembers more. Let me put it that way. He does remember more and he's more vocally to me about it. Like he'll sit me down and he'll, he'll reminisce with me about like the past and he'll want to talk about it, but he's understanding about it and he he knows that I try the best I can as a mom, you know, and I, and I, I believe he does forgive me and I believe they both forgive me, you know, and that's just, and that's a vow that I've made to myself that I will never go back to that life because I don't want to ever put my children through that, my family through that or myself through that. Like, like for instance, my, my last ex, he wanted me to use with him, this last time when he left me went to another woman and married her wanted me to use with him this last time before he went to prison this last time to prove my love to him that was hard for me because you know my pattern but I actually said no what year and I walked this? away huh what, what, what year this was after 2020 no this was before 20 no oh, okay, okay. yes yeah no 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 this was after 2020 oh, this okay. was in 20 2021. 2021 September 2021 stone cold sober at that point yes yes and it 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 hurt me so bad you can ask a lot of a lot of the family members that I have that that are connected with me on here they will tell you that I just I cried I felt like I should have at one point but I've just gotten so strong into my recovery that I just I could not do it so if I had to lose that person I lost it right they weren't they weren't worth keeping in the first place yeah um do you when your children want to talk to you about this are you always um are you are you glad are you are do you dread it are you embarrassed are you (laughs) i dread it (laughs) because i'm so worried about what's going to come out of their mouth what do they know because i'm i'm always worried that something new is going to pop up and i'm going to be like oh Cause some things are embarrassing because some things that they remember were during some embarrassing times. Cause that was, that's not who I am. Right. So it just, yeah. <laughs> so I dread it, Okay. but I'm, but I'm open and I'm, I'm open to listen, you know? Right. So looking, looking to 
your future. What is your biggest goal? To make sure that my kids have everything they need. To be able to know that I can take care of my kids on my own. To be... I just want to succeed. I want to be what I what I wasn't. Like I, I want to get the things, like achieve the things that I've always wanted to achieve. Because back then I didn't have that option to achieve those things. You know what I mean? And also, you know, now, you know, I have TikTok. I have an amazing family now. You know, we're growing by the day. And I just... I just want to be there for them and I want to continue to grow my platform and just reach as many people as I can and, and have people to actually really get to know me and see that I'm actually a good person, regardless of if I was a recovering addict, regardless of what they've heard of me. I want them to see that I am truly a good person. Right. Yeah. So for, for the, Anybody listening um, now or six months from now or three years from now they hear this who is just in the trenches of addiction what what would be the biggest step they have to take to get the ball rolling what is your biggest piece of advice for somebody just in complete chaos well, first off, they have to admit that they have a problem and they have to want to get the help. And the the main thing that they have to do once they get to that point is they have to change people, place, and you have to throw all that. You have to take all that out of the equation and reach out for help. Yes. People, places, and things. Absolutely. Right. Wow. So, you know, in 2023 here, um, I mean, t- five years ago, you probably never, ever thought you'd be sitting here like this. You're sitting here on no. this platform. You're on a, a, you're on a podcast listened to by thousands of people. And you're, I mean, kudos to you, Dixie. Thank you. I, 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 that's why I was honored when you asked me. I haven't shared my story in a long time. Um, and I thank you for that. And that I would have never thought I would be here, you know, with you on TikTok, being live, you know, like, so it's just, it's, it's been an amazing journey and I'm just blessed and grateful. Absolutely. And for anyone battling addiction, this is proof that it's always progress. It doesn't have to be perfection. Always progress. Look at all the progress that Dixie's made. You can make progress too. It doesn't have to be overnight. It doesn't have to be perfect. The fact that you are, you have to be brutally honest. You have to put down all your ego and get help because there's people out there that love you who want to see you succeed, like your mom, your children, Dixie, you know, um, your friends. I mean, I'm sure your mom 
I know she may still have her bad days and, you know, might hold a grudge here and there, but overall, your mom has got to be relieved. She is. She went through a lot with me. But the one thing I can say is she stuck by me through this all, all this whole situation, the whole journey I went through with addiction. And I thank her for that. She is the one person that did not give up on me. And she could have. And I'm blessed that she didn't because, you know, I don't have family like that. I had, you know, I have my mom, my dad, which I don't really talk to my dad, but he is a few miles down the road. And I have my kids. And that's all I have, you know, as family. So if she would have gave up on me and just would have said, just go on, I wouldn't have had anybody. And I probably wouldn't be here where I am today. Right. And the main thing you said is don't give up. Don't give up. That's right. Don't give up and reach out for help. There's amazing resources out there. Even TikTok has great recovery community uh, creators on or recovery creators on here. Um, and I know a bunch of them. Even my live, you know, is a safe place for others, you know, that are going through addiction, maybe struggling with it or trying to reach out for recovery. So, you know, there's there's so many different options that you have now to getting sober that it's amazing so just like like ryan said just reach out to them and just it's it's worth it it's really worth it it is worth it and it was worth having you on this podcast thank you so much dixie you're so welcome thank you for having me you're welcome i can't wait for all your followers who aren't here obviously everybody's not here they can hear this whenever it's convenient for them and I just want to thank you again for, for being on. I want to thank all of you for listening, all of you who are watching live. Um, I do appreciate it. Thank you for checking out Podcasty with Ryan. All the episodes are available on all the streaming platforms. Join us again next week. And until then, have a great evening, great life. And remember, just be a decent human being. It'll pay off. It really will. Thanks again, Dixie. You're so welcome, Ryan.